0: Welcome to the Prosperous and Happy Life podcast, where you will hear Mary Hagerman, Investment Advisor and Portfolio Manager from Raymond James, share her tips and experience from requests to help her clients be prosperous and happy. Over more than 30 years, Mary has worked with thousands of clients and countless experts, all looking to live a rich and fulfilling life. In her podcast interviews, she shares her stories and wisdom, along with the advice from the many experts she has encountered along the way. And now, here's Mary.
1: Over the course of my more than 30 years of managing money, I've often been asked, so where are we now? Not in an existential kind of way, of course, but in relation to the markets. I've seen a lot of ups and downs, great recessions and smaller ones, corrections and bear markets. But I've also seen bull markets and secular bull markets, Like the longest bull market in history, that started right after the Great Recession of 2008-2009. Oof, by far the worst in my career. And it ended, of course, with the pandemic in 2020. Since then, more superlatives have followed. Like one of the shortest bear markets in history, February 2020 to April 2020, And then, with a pandemic still in full force, one of the shortest bull markets in history from May 2020 to February 2022. It's no wonder most investors are scratching their head right now, trying to figure out just where we are and what's going on with the markets. I am so fortunate to have a team of experts who I work with inside and outside of Canada to help me make measured decisions when it comes to managing my portfolios. Here at Raymond James, I can count on Nadeem Kassam and his team. They provide me with excellent guidance, and he's my guest today. Nadeem is a CFA charter holder and portfolio manager with over 15 years of capital market experience. He has an MBA from the, from the York University Schulich School of Business. He's currently the Chief Strategist and Head of Investment Strategy for Raymond James Financial in Canada, and he's responsible for publishing North American Macroeconomic Equity and Portfolio Strategy Research. He's also Chair of the Asset Allocation Committee, which sets asset allocation guidance for Raymond James Financial Advisors and their clients. Nadim is a very busy guy. <laughs> so welcome, Nadim, to the Prosperous and Happy Podcast.
2: Hi, Mary, and, and thank you for having me.
1: Well, it's so great that you could join me here today because I know you got a busy schedule. And, of course, everyone wants to know where we're headed, where we're going. But let's lead up to the punch gradually. So I'd like you to tell me... Um, you know, where we are right now a little bit later and start off with some market history since the start of the pandemic in 2020 and take a look back at the first bear market that occurred and how we defined that we actually had a bear market.
2: Sure. So I think what happened in in 2020, unlike um, past slowdowns, recessions, if you want to call it, uh, was that the world saw its first uh, global pandemic really disrupt the economic engine, uh, if you will, uh, and it forced uh, policymakers, governments, corporate executives, consumers, a- average uh, average Joe's, to to really pivot in a very material way that we haven't seen uh, in the last century. Uh, so
1: yeah it was it was an incredible period, something that none of us have 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 ever seen because the cause of course of the bear market was a pandemic and um, yeah so how how do we define a bear market and if we look at the dates when that took hold as the pandemic was creeping up on us and people were worrying just how bad it was going to get
2: so I would say oh I'll talk about. A few things. So, a correction uh, and bear markets are typically in reference to the stock market. And what that particularly relates to is the performance from the latest peak. So, if a market is down 10% from the peak, it's called a correction. And if it's down 20% or more, it's called a bear market. Um, And a recession in the most loosest, loosest uh, definition um, would be two consecutive quarters of economic contraction. More broadly speaking, and how uh, it is defined here in Canada and the US, it's where we see a broad-based decline in the economic employment and corporate environment. Um, that That is how uh, recessions are defined.
1: Okay, so when the pandemic hit, because going into to to 2020 um, we had had fairly well we had had strong equity markets in 2019 um, people were wondering of course at that point still asking the question how much further can can the markets go up but it was really the the fact that the pandemic was recognized and declared a uh, pretty much a worldwide uh, concern that the markets got spooked and <clears throat> went down the 20% that you're talking about to confirm a bear market,
2: right? That's correct. So again, it was the the pandemic was the, 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 the initial factor, but it was the, the aggressive policy and government reactions that really caused the economy, corporate earnings, and then the markets to kind of... F- uh, follow suit towards the downside, uh, in particular, lockdowns, travel restrictions, stay at home measures. These essentially kept people at home and, you know, kind of slowed and, and closed big parts of the global economic engine, you know, just with, the, a, flip with a flip of a switch, right? So it happened rather um, uh, rapidly. Um, and and that's essentially what caused markets to, to kind of reprice and sell off so aggressively.
1: So it actually, so you brought up several good points there. And in my last podcast, which was my first podcast, uh, we talked about interest rates, inflation, and how it affects our financial plan. Mm-hmm. So going into the pandemic, interest rates were still very low. That was kind of a a holdover from the 2008-2009 financial crisis, but they went even lower during the pandemic. So, just tell me more about that. Explain how how that happened and governments reacted.
2: Yeah, I'll just use a simple a simple kind of uh, example. So, or or if you will, a fact that some could uh, kind of rely on. So, all else equal, when interest rates fall. Consumers, corporation consume more of a given product. All else equal, when interest rates move higher, they consume less. Typically, when the economy is slowing or headed into a recession, um, in this case, it was due to global um, you know, travel restrictions, stay-at-home measures. The need to stimulate and encourage uh, consumption, demand, or recovering demand Interest rates were slashed. So they were already very low uh, for, for most of the bear market, uh, the, 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 the bull market, if you will. Um, they just went even lower um, during you know, the, um, the depths of the, the COVID crisis.
1: Right, right. So with interest rates very low and massive government spending, we saw the markets rebound quickly. And we went from being in a bear market, as I said earlier, the shortest bear market in history, possibly. I think that's been confirmed um, into a new bull market. So explain how you how how that came about.
2: Yeah, I would say that it was the shortest recession on record two consecutive months. and you know similar to what what you uh, alluded to earlier, interest rates were very low uh following the financial crisis and up into up until the the covid crisis so the stimulative effects of low interest rates were were quite minimal in terms of the impacts of the real economy. You can cut interest rates, but if I'm locked uh, at home, if many of us are you know mandated uh, with these stay at home measures, we can't really consume much. Um, We can't go buy that car. We can't go buy that house and we can't take advantage of um, the low borrowing costs. What happened and which was a bit more, um, um, you know, unique in this in this um, recovery was the type of stimulus that was introduced um, from policymakers, which was uh, if you if you can if you can call it like deposits of checks into uh, you know, individuals that were impacted by these lockdowns, you know, low interest rate, almost 0% loans to corporations. Um, right. CERB, for example, here in Canada, um, you had a lot of programs that were introduced to put capital um, right into the pockets of those everyday consumers that were impacted by these very lockdowns. Uh, and what that hap- what happened was... Because it was um, a direct, um, y- you know, a direct kind of uh, payment, if you will, to those uh, most impacted. So corporations, consumers, they were able to actually start spending those on, on everyday essentials, whether it's durables or, you know, during the crisis, a lot of people you know, uh, splurging on toilet paper and uh, Febreze, if you will. So um, I, I think right, that's, okay. where, that's where and why you saw this massive um, rebound in equity markets and I would even argue in, in the economy and, and labor markets.
1: Yeah, and just to add to your explanation, which is great, um, you know, the governments around the world acted almost in unison when the pandemic was declared. Uh, to stimulate their economies and pour massive amounts of money into the economy, whereas like back in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine it took a long time. They wanted to you know there was there was an investigation into how did this start? who were the bad guys? But the pandemic kind of took everybody by surprise, and there was no bad guy, no bank, no uh, you know particular country or whatever to punish. And so this massive stimulus that was worldwide really helped create this new bull market. That was a bull market pretty much across the globe, right?
2: Yeah. And that, and that's, you know, again, it's, it's a very unique situation. Uh, We haven't seen a global pandemic before. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was, um, you know, a virus that was, you know, mutating and changing and again, a lot—not too much data on on the impacts on society, the long-term impacts. Uh, there was a lot of you know strains that we were seeing around various um, healthcare infrastructure globally, and so I, I think what policymakers did was use the information that they had available at that moment to make a decision. And I think where they where they may have been maybe a bit more prudent. Historically, they were a bit less in this environment just given the fact that there were so many unknowns. So by erring on the side of caution meant just stimulate like stimulate more or provide more capital or extend certain programs. And, and as a result, we got the strongest bull market on record coming out of this, out of this crisis. But on the flip side, we've yes. all seen inflation that has surged to levels that we haven't seen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so again, so
2: there's, there's an upside and there's also a, a bit of a downside too, right? To yeah,
1: absolutely. We'll get to the inflation thing in a second because yeah. that's really important. But I just, because we're sort of on a continuum here going through yeah. that, you know, what happened through the pandemic, how we got the the bear market and the bull market and investors were really surprised that we could live through a pandemic and have positive, um, positive returns in 2020, in 2021. Uh, so there was a huge amount of speculation when we hit the beginning of this year that, you know, this had to stop. There was, a, a, a you know, a lot of questioning how long can the party go on. Mm-hmm. So Of course, we all know what happened in February, March, right, with the Mm -hmm. war. But what was your take on the markets before the war started in
2: Ukraine? So, in in November of last year, markets were up about twenty seven percent ish here in North America, Mm twenty five ish uh, plus Canada on the TSX, S P five hundred, a little bit more for the Nasdaq. Um, We actually sent out a note, uh, which we titled More Money, More Problems. Um, And the reality of that piece was to highlight just the environment, which was, you know, again, gotten a a bit too ahead of itself. Um, We saw anything and everything rally higher. Companies that had no fundamental reasons or rationales uh, to be trading where they were, were trading at, um, you know, double digits, triple digit PEs, valuations that made no sense. Um, There were things that were, again, um, you know, at extremes. And we highlighted in our piece um, and in in the commentary that followed that investors should take profits. Investors should de-risk their portfolios because, again, the, um, you know, the, the, you know, the flamethrower, if you will, or the stimulator of of all of this was policymakers, central banks and heading into 2022, the commentary was very clear. Inflation was heating up and the recovery was well underway and policymakers were going to end COVID programs and they were going to start increasing rates. And from our perspective, especially looking at over the past 100 years of, of data that we have access to uh, for the US. Um, it usually shows that when policymakers, including central banks, start removing stimulus, you get a lot more volatility. Um, and this is also very typical of the mid-cycle of, a, of an economic uh, broader cycle. This is right. an environment where things begin to normalize. So economic growth goes from peak towards normal employment rates stabilize like all these things revert back to norm from peak levels um, and during this period you typically um, you typically get uh, investors kind of searching for you know what fair value is what um, what the new norm looks like after coming uh, from you know down from the peak level so there's you know there's a little bit of you um, you know, searching by investors and you get a lot more volatility um, as a result during this period of the the economic cycle. So we were expecting this. And in our piece that we published at the onset of this year, we said easy gains are so 2021, meaning expect a choppy path forward um, and much less lower or lower return expectations for uh, for 2022 and beyond,
1: right. And and you did a great job setting that up, and that piece was right on. So thank you for that, um, for sure. When we started out 2022, uh, the, the the central banks around the world had basically telegraphed the message that you know this was the year that rates were finally going to go up, um, and we anticipated that there was going to be volatility around that around where we were uh, with with regards to the market cycle but there was still uh, you know uh, because I'm a consensus manager and the consensus view was that the markets could deal with rising interest rates if it was in a measured fashion over the course of the year now of course all of that, Went up, it's went up in the air when Russia invaded Ukraine, and you mentioned earlier that inflation has, you know, became a big deal this year. So tell me um, what that did to inflation, and how that has led to this recession word cropping up.
2: Yeah, so I, I think consensus is is a good um, uh, you know a good area to focus on for most as a starting point and we look at consensus as well but we also look at how consensus can be wrong and like you said interest rates were likely to move higher and that was well telegraphed which was which was great but no one telegraphed the fact that russia would actually invade um ukraine and i think the majority of people were thinking that and the consensus and my peers as well, that inflation would be transitory um, or factors related to um, like COVID-19, if you will, like the pent up demand, supply chain disruptions. Yes. Mm-hmm. A lot of these a lot of these factors were were temporal in nature, meaning that there was a a, a, a mismatch in time of supply and demand. Right. So. Um, if you think about just at the early days of the pandemic, China was essentially full-fledged lockdown where rest of the world was was still open for business. And it wasn't several months after that, did we see you know, other regions across the world locked down. So now this had a large impact on supply chains. Um, as an extension of that, if we move forward, you've had China and many Asian nations um, follow a, a zero COVID policy. So their focus is as soon as they see, you know, even a few cases, they lock down and and nip it in the butt. The problem is, is that when we had Delta and Omicron, these things were highly contagious viruses. And at the midpoint of the year, last year, we saw most uh, Asian regions, countries, states that were following a zero COVID policy, abandoned that. And that gave us a little bit more confidence that that the transitory headwinds would, would start to soften heading into 2022. However, we saw the second largest economy in the world, namely China, um, which is also the, the world's manufacturing hub um, in many ways, um, continue with that policy and lock down on and off throughout much much of the beginning of this year, and so inflation has not come down as fast as we would have hoped. Specifically on some of the transitory elements, and hence why the Fed, the Federal Reserve, and the U.S. made it more of a, a focal point for their policy initiatives um, and to be more aggressive. Uh, but likewise, you've had again the uncertainty and the unknowns associated with the Russia Ukraine war. And then just very strong demand globally, um, a lot of this pent-up demand that was still being spent um, and still making its way through the economy. So again, that has only further propelled inflation to you know the peak levels that we've seen
1: right. more recently. And, and the sanctions, right? The sanctions too uh, sort of messed up uh, a lot of, of the, the trading and flow of goods that uh, that would normally have eased over time, even if there had been these distribution problems related to, to the pandemic.
2: That's exactly so, it. So it's not necessarily yeah. the war itself is one thing, but it was the, the global and then self-sanctioning um, by companies, by countries um, on Russia. Russia contributes about 10 to 15% of global energy uh, in terms of gas and oil, just imagine you've taken if if, if supply equal demand as of, you know, Feb, March, you've removed about 15 percent of that, which is accessible. So that creates an issue already. Um, it's likely going to continue to be an issue for much of Europe, I would say, heading into the, um, the colder months, into the winter season as we mm-hmm. move further in the year. But that aside, again. These sanctions did create a situation that, um, again, um, pushed kind of that that came that that resulted in kind of non consensus, you know, realities that that we've uh, realized here on the um, on the inflation side of things.
1: Right. So getting back to to how inflation has sort of blown out of scale this year. With, uh, with the war, the government's really best tool in the toolbox is to increase interest rates, right? So we, we saw in, interest rates increase much more than was what was expected at the beginning of the year. And what I tell clients is that, you know, if the government has a choice between a recession and runaway inflation, they'll choose a recession, right? So we have, a, everyone has been, on the lookout for signs that we hopefully have inflation in check or that we're tackling it appropriately and we'll see the, the, the inflation numbers start to go down. Where does that put us right now in terms of what it's what these higher interest rates have done to the economy? Um, is it going to compromise growth to the extent that we could see a recession? So if you can see me coming here, this is where I'm going to get you to answer the question. Like, yeah. where, where are we now?
2: No, yeah, so, no. And I, I think yeah. that's a fair question. And and I've just, mm-hmm. you know, as you've asked that, I've just pulled out my crystal ball. So I'm just, uh, okay, that's I'm, great. I'm, I'm, I'm ready, He's set, go on that. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm just, uh, I'm getting that ready for you. So okay. uh, the one thing I would say um You know, in terms of our, you know, in terms of the inflation expectations and where we are and, you know, what really policymakers can do, like, again, there's a lot of demand elements. There's things that are um, unique to this um, to this environment as well, like this cycle um, Mm -hmm. in terms of the level and even the the delivery of stimulus, um, you know, uh, versus the last cycle. Uh, the, just the sheer amount of stimulus has been multiple folds of what we saw during the financial crisis. I mean, that in itself is going to create a lot of demand, which, um, you know, existing supply chains really can't manage over the short term, but can be resolved over longer periods of time. That said... It's really time that you know can can help resolve some of these more temporal COVID-related pressures. Um, however, there's structural issues that that are currently in play. Um, for example, if I'm Germany and I've had to now flip on my coal-powered plants, if the war was to end tomorrow, okay, and sanctions were to be removed tomorrow, I would have a hard time believing that german and the german people would feel comfortable uh relying back with relying on russian gas supplies for their energy needs and i think that most of europe is pretty much on that pivot away from russia as a reliable source so again i think this is a structural element and i just want to bring that up because again structural elements um cannot be resolved through higher or lower interest rates like that that's a, a pressure that's going to persist
1: Nadim you have done a great job taking us through the ups and downs of the pandemic period so you're now on record as of the taping of this show on August 17th 2022 for saying we are not yet in a recession there are still a lot of problems out there like uh, persistent inflation as you mentioned and of course the war in Ukraine, but employment numbers are high and the consumer is still spending. So is there anything else you'd like to add?
2: So in our view, we don't believe we're in a recession today, even though Mm -hmm. there are some variables that are flashing red. So in the most simplest and the leanest, uh, I would say definition of a recession would be two consecutive uh, contractions in, in economic activity, so GDP growth. If it declines on a consecutive basis, two quarters, it's defined as a recession in the simplest, and absolute simplest uh, definition out there. In Canada and the US, however, there are, there are bigger factors that the bodies here uh, tend to, um, <coughs> excuse me, tend to look at before they declare a recession. And that is looking at the employment environment right now the employment situation remains extremely strong there's about a a job and a half to two jobs for every candidate that's looking for work the unemployment rates in canada and in the us are near record lows if not at record lows we're Coming out of uh, qu- uh, Q, uh, Q2 earnings in the US, corporate earnings are not in a recession. They're not declining. They're still increasing. So we're not getting a corporate earnings recession, which typically we see during recessionary environments similar to 2020 and during the financial, 0809 financial crisis. So again, it's the way the general and the more um, more a uh, comprehensive definition uh, that we tend to look at and most bodies in Canada and the U.S. tend to look at uh, to define the re- recession is when it's more when it's broad based, when it impacts not only the market, not only the economy, but corporate fundamentals, employment levels, um, sentiment, all of these types of um, types of areas within the within the economy. In my view and my feedback and what i've suggested is again look for places to invest for the long term to reach one's goals as opposed to look for areas to hide because that's in the end is not the reason why we're in the capital market and why we're investing um in the first place right so that that's one point that i'll just uh i'll stop there and, and well I,
1: th- I think that's Excellent advice because the path to prosperity and happiness is to be a long-term investor with a long-term horizon So and a good financial plan, as we discussed in the the last podcast. So that's great. I do have my final question, which I have for all guests, and that is, what does prosperity and happiness mean to you?
2: I think for me, happiness and prosperity is is geared towards helping people, and and my my goal in life is is to do a great job here in my role as the as a chief strategist. But in you know in my personal life and and even in my professional life, is to make a positive impact on whatever it is but have a positive impact on the lives of people. And I want to have the most impact on as many people as I possibly can. And helping people is by far, um, the biggest drive, gives me that biggest happiness and prosperity as it relates to, you know, my fulfillment levels.
1: Wow. Well, that's great. That's great. And it sounds so true. I mean, I've been working with you now for. For quite some time, and you certainly give a lot, and your advice is, is precious. So thank you so much, Nadim. It's a real, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank
2: you. My pleasure, and thank you for having me.
1: So to all of our listeners, uh, we do share Nadim's research in our monthly newsletters as well as research from our U.S. counterparts. Nadim is also a regular guest on the Raymond James podcast called the Advantage Investor Podcast. It's on Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. Thank you so much for tuning in. And please make sure to subscribe to The Prosperous and Happy Life on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. We'll be releasing a new episode the last Friday of every month. And in the meantime, you can follow me on LinkedIn and Facebook at Mary Hagerman. The link is in the description box below. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.
0: This podcast has been prepared by and expressed the opinions of Mary Hagerman and not necessarily the opinions of Raymond James Limited. Statistics, data, and other information presented are from sources RJL believes to be reliable, but their accuracy cannot be guaranteed. This podcast is for information purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchases of securities. Investors considering any investment should consult with their investment advisor to ensure that it is suitable for the investor's circumstances and risk tolerances before making any investment decisions. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Information provided in this podcast is general in nature and should not be construed as providing legal accounting and or tax advice. Should viewers have any specific questions and or issues in these areas, please consult your legal, tax, and or accounting advisor. RJL is a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund.